0: You're listening to Preaching Source, a ministry of Southwestern Baptist Theological Seminary's School of Preaching. I'm your host, Professor Barry McCarty. Well, this is a first. Our guest on Preaching Source today is a man I have interviewed twice in two different roles. First of all, my former colleague, Dr. Stephen Smith, uh, used to be the Vice President for Student Services and Professor of Preaching at Southwestern Baptist Theological Seminary. He still works with us in the School of Preaching here. Uh, But his new role today that we want to focus on is as the Senior Pastor of Emmanuel. Baptist Church in Little Rock, Arkansas. So, uh, dear colleague and pastor, Dr.
1: Smith, welcome to Preaching Source. Thank you, Dr. McCarty. Very, very grateful to be here. Thanks for letting me back on campus.
0: All right. You have recently transitioned from a full-time role in the academy to a full-time role in the local church. what What's the difference? What's the difference between the academy and the pastoral
1: ministry between preaching and teaching? Well, it's a world of difference in the pace of life, in the you know the academic culture as opposed to the the church culture. Um, but I guess maybe a more um, you know. Uh, Applied way of asking that is there's a difference between teaching preaching and then pastoral preaching. And I knew this, right? I mean, I knew this in the classroom. In fact, I would tell guys okay, what we're doing here is kind of clinical, I'm giving you a template. It's going to be different when you get on the pastoral ministry. I wasn't expecting that to happen my second Sunday, (laughs) when I had a template prepared of a sermon series that was going to take me through the spring, and just really sense the Lord taking me in another direction, and that sounds subjective, Um, but there's just very, I I guess, again, I knew this, but just being a pastor now for six weeks, I'm struck by the dynamic between the heart of the shepherd leading the people, um, the text itself, and then three-year life in the text. I, I think all those are more synchronized than I was anticipating. That's been a little bit of a surprise for me.
0: Mm. Has your uh, sermon preparation method changed any in this transition, and if so,
1: how? Well, the, the template is still the same, so I'm good for that. I'm, I'm Excuse me, I'm glad for that. I would hate to be a pastor and say what I was teaching for 12 years, yeah, it didn't work. So it, it's uh, uh, the template is the same. I'm still developing... A exegetical outline from the text and a homiletical outline. I think the difference is, is the one I've already mentioned. You're listening to the Spirit because this is not just about a text. It's about a text applied to a specific congregation. So there's individual application, but there's also a corporal application. But I think the other thing, too, is I, I find myself reading more, uh, one, reading the text more, and one trying to read other sources and and reflect on them. So, um, in when I would prepare sermons before, as a professor, and I'm doing an interim, I've got a, a really a small amount of time, and I've got to come with an exegetical outline and convert that to a homiletical outline. Here, I feel like the the greatest or the most productive probably way to spend my time as a pastor preparing sermons is reflection and just thinking and thinking and thinking about the text. It seems to me that more than any other thing, that's the most productive thing. And I would just say one other thing to that too, what I found is, again, after six weeks is that writing is thinking, right? It was C.S. Lewis who said, we confuse the two. We think that writing is a reflection of thinking, but it's not. Writing is an act of thinking, and so I find myself physically writing as much as I can, because once you see it on the page and you hear yourself say it, it's a process of working out of your mind what's in there. Mm.
0: Uh, Like you, I have been both in the pastorate and in the academy. I started out uh, 18 years uh, teaching, in seminary education and then 22 years of pastoral ministry, and now I'm back to, to teaching. So I've made the transition in in the other direction. You've gone from here into the local church. There are a number of, of people that I encounter who's who minister in both of mm, those spheres, both the local church and the academy. Uh, do you have any advice for uh uh, a minister who knows he's called of God, but uh, he might be unsure. Is he called yeah. to teach? Is he called to, to preach? What, uh, do you have any advice for someone yeah. who's trying to, uh, you know, figure out where in the life of the church to, can he make his best contribution?
1: Yeah, that's a great, great question. I, I remember somewhat, uh, not complaining, but expressing to my father-in-law that I didn't feel like I fit anywhere. I wasn't like my dad, I didn't fit this template or whatever. And he's responded, "Is that's the greatest thing in the world? Because that means it forces you to write your own book and to figure out who you are." So, I think if a guy has academic sympathies um, but is in a pastoral ministry. Or a guy's in the academy and has pastoral sympathies—that's a wonderful thing. I would just exploit that for for all the goodness that it is. I, I think of uh, my friend Paul Nagrud, who's the president of Emmanuel Baptist College and Seminary in Arad, Romania. He requires all of his professors uh, to serve in a local church because he feels like it makes the classroom discussion more robust and, and more real. So, um, I think you know one way to look at it. If you know you're like me, and when I was teaching. You know, I've had sympathies toward the local church, and now that I'm in the local church, I'm so grateful to Southwestern because I get to keep teaching adjunctively and stay involved in preaching source and all these things, which just scratches the academic itch. So it's just a wonderful thing not to have to choose. I hope, Lord willing, to exploit both. Stephen, you have uh, a bit of an advantage in
0: that you are a new pastor at a a new congregation, and yet you come to that with a number of years of experience and some maturity. Uh, You you have greater resources than a guy who's just fresh out of seminary going to uh, a new pastorate. Uh, think a little bit about the both the the exciting part and the challenging part of taking up a new pastorate and and really, what
1: advice would you have to someone beginning a new ministry at a church yeah, that 's a great question um, well on, on a personal level, I feel like that when I was a pastor before I loved preaching I knew that um, I started a pastorate in um, right out of out of seminary in 1996, I graduated in 1995 and began a pastor just a few months after that. But I really did not know what I was doing, you know, in with my preaching. I was didn't develop good. Grid- good habits with my preaching, although I loved preaching. And so I felt like what the 12 years of the seminary were for me is I developed these convictions, which is easier to do, frankly, because you're in a clinical type environment, develop these convictions about what preaching is, the nature of the Word of God. And so to your question about excitement, what really excited me about going to a pastorate, although this is something that kind of caught us a little bit off guard was that now I could go see if this works, right? I mean, I could go field test all that we've been teaching. And so that's to me has been so exciting and rewarding. So I feel like I my education was extended a little bit by going to being by teaching here and learning from my colleagues like yourself and Dr. Allen and, and others, and now being able to work out, you know, what God has worked in. As to the advice, I think that I would tell a guy just really to enjoy the process. Somebody asked me that same question today. Um, Leaving Southwestern, he's about to graduate and go to a a ministry. I would say just enjoy that process. There's this pressure to come in and to, to be something, right, to blow everything up and make sure that it reflects your image, and part of that's necessary. You know, almost every context we go into is going to need strong leadership. We don't shy away from that. At the same time, Um, I I think all of us find as leaders that the way God accomplishes um, the goals are not always the way that we thought and anticipated. There's some surprises along the way, so we need to enjoy that process and love people and don't feel the pressure to be something we're not so early on. You, I believe, have just started a new sermon series
0: on preaching the parables. Uh, that's uh, a popular thing to do, or at least it's, it's one of the important uh, genres and sections of Scripture that, that we often preach on. What advice do you have for a pastor who's planning or thinking about preaching through the parables?
1: Mm. Well, you have to define your parameters, you know, the 30 to 40 parables depending on how you um, count them, and uh, scholars vary there. So what I did is I said, I'm going to do the kingdom stories of Luke, and so what that did is that just—and I know to 99% of my people it doesn't matter, but I needed this mental justification on why I'm going to take these, so it wound up to be 18 parables. So um, I'm doing uh, The Friend at Midnight, Luke 11, but I'm not doing The Persistent Widow of, uh, of Luke 18. Very, very similar kind of double parables, if you will. So I'm not doing all, uh, but I'm doing 18 out of there. So I would just say again, man, just enjoy that, because the genre is so much fun. If you do it well, um, people will say, I thought I understood that parable, but I really don't, you know, which is a great thing to hear because they feel like their eyes are opening. And the other thing too, and this is frankly one of the reasons why I felt like the Lord is leading me to do that, is the parables uh, there's a little bit of rhetorical sleight of hand because when you start to do them, people think, oh, it's great, I love the parables, fantastic. But what we don't realize is that they're hard, they're biting, they're convicting. I mean, the five parables of Luke 15 and 16 and on into 17 and 18 is so, so hard. Even the Good Samaritan, which I preached yesterday, is really, it's a tough, tough parable. So people don't think of them that way, but they really, really challenge the Church. Uh, not in... Um, strategic ways, but in conceptual ways. Jesus is dropping in huge concepts about how to rethink about his kingdom and how different his kingdom is than the kingdom of this world. So I thought for a first series, it would allow me to stay in a gospel, not be in it too long, just a few months, uh, but at the same time give people a taste of exposition and, and the genre of narrative.
0: Well, I want you to know, back here at Southwestern, uh, many of us are still using your book, Recapturing the Voice of God, Shaping Sermons Like Scripture as a Text. So I feel like you're with me just about every week in the classroom. Fantastic. (laughs) Thank you, friend. Through through your book. Stephen, thank you so much for being with us again on Preaching Source. And God bless you in uh, that wonderful new ministry there in Little Rock. Absolutely. Thank you, friend. Thanks for having me on. Very, very grateful.